This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Ah, yes, it is Friday. That means it's time for us to check in with Rob Shaw here, the political correspondent for Czech News. Good morning, Rob. Good morning, Simi. Are you going to miss Macho Man? I am going to miss Macho Man. I'll play (laughs) it at home alone, but it won't have quite the same ring. I know. Also later in the morning, right? Because you're like, there's no way I'm getting up this early if I don't have to. Much later in the morning. That's right. That's right. Vaughn yeah. is back on Monday, but we've got Rob with us for another day to talk about. You've had a busy week because of the Union of BC municipalities, everything that's been going on. And today is the day that Premier David Eby speaks there, right? That's right. It's his first speech to UBCM as Premier. And, uh, you know, we, we're kind of waiting to see how he chooses to use it. Some Premiers go big and they announce a bunch of stuff at uh, UBCM. Christy Clark did that once. It was the Massey Bridge. <laughs> it did not go over well. And uh, that was the end of that. Horgan didn't really do a lot of uh, big news announcements at UBCM. Gordon Campbell did them almost every year. So we'll see what EB has to say in terms of kind of new things uh, for, uni- for municipalities. He is doing a shorter speech than usual because he's inserted a question and answer period with the audience. Oh, that's and, interesting. Yeah. Well, he loves Q&As. So EB has been doing town halls where he likes to have this big crowd of people and they come up on the stage and they sit beside him and they ask him questions and he answers them and he kind of goes through the crowd. It's, it's a politically like risky strategy in the sense because you can be confronted with things you may not know or people with questions you may not like. But he seems to enjoy that kind of lawyerly um, sort yeah. of like live moot debate. Uh, and he inserts these Q&As wherever he can. So can't, it's, it's kind of fun to watch them because uh, you get to you get to watch somebody else try to squeeze answers out of the premiers on, uh, on things, you know, like people coming up. And uh, he offers very little new, but he explains fairly well what the government's doing. And uh, so they get to be reporters for a brief period and try to pin the premier down on stuff and see how well it goes. So that, that'll be the format uh, at UBCM today. Okay. What do you think most of the questions will be about? Well, I mean, the big sort of four of the week have been wildfires, uh, housing, of course, healthcare and the decline there, and then decriminalization, which bleeds into sort of um, the public safety issue. So I think there'll be a lot of that. I'm sure some local questions too, but I have listened to sort of what government officials have been saying about that, those big four topics all week. And um, I have not heard anything new from the government on on any of them. It's more like watching their ministers sort of tread water on what they've already been doing. And so EB will have an opportunity to shed a bit more light on that, uh, on what is coming on housing, because there's a lot of stuff coming this fall. If he wants to talk about anything he's heard back already from that expert task force on wildfires, if he's even appointed people to it, um, what we're doing on healthcare. I know Adrian Dix kind of, again, was treading water on that saying, um, this might be the new normal, uh, this kind of overwhelming uh, the patient capacity at healthcare facilities. Because he think... talked about the numbers too, Adrian Dix said, like, we're, the healthcare system is doing more surgeries than they have ever done before. 
Yes, they are, which is good. But Adrian Dix is a master of numbers, right? And so those numbers are great. But then you go to the hospital and you're sitting there waiting for 12 hours. So it doesn't reflect the reality on the ground of especially rural communities where your hospital is closed and you're driving hours and hours and hours because a handful of, uh, of health officials weren't there to, to open the facility. So like, I, I think it's going to be incumbent on the premier to have a bit more of a hope of a future for that than just kind of the new normal. Um, and then on decrim, that's all on uh, premier Eby because he's the one who's slowly moving that file forward and, we talked about how there's a lot of dissatisfaction uh, from local officials on that open drug use issue and his 15 meter drug zone, uh, no drug use zone that he that seems to have arbitrarily come up with. So lots of opportunities for the premier to explain in a better way where he's going without, you know, ministers being worried of ticking off the boss by spilling the beans. So we will see if he does that. Rob, they, they had a vote yesterday. It got a really interesting debate going among some of the municipalities and the, uh, the the delegates there. Yeah, although I'm still rocking out from the Cars for Kids song that was playing during the commercial break there. But I will get back your into theme song. You know, we played that. Mode. We played that for you once as your theme song, and it was so insidious. I thought we can't do that again. <laughs> That's fair enough. Play it for Vaughn and see what happens. I oh, think yeah. you've lost your mind. He'll be like, "What happened while well, I was gone?" <laughs> Rob's broken the show. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, All right, let's yes, talk about because okay. this was about lifting the mandatory vaccine mandate for healthcare workers. Yeah, which is a big issue because BC is the only province left in Canada that is refusing to let healthcare workers go back to work if they are unvaccinated. And especially in smaller communities, this is a big debate because facilities can shut down, especially ERs, with only one or two healthcare professionals who don't show up in, in key positions. And then people have to drive hours away. And so there was a big debate at UBCM about this, and everyone had different opinions on it. Some felt, and correctly, I think, that this is outside of their uh, lane as municipal politicians, and they should leave it up to the health professionals. But it does impact their communities, and they do have to advocate for them. Others you know, feel like, yeah, you should comply with the vaccine order if you work in the healthcare system, especially when you have vulnerable people uh, in the healthcare system who are being treated. And then others, you know, made a pretty convincing argument that not having a nurse in particular available because of the vaccine mandate in a small facility can put hundreds, if not thousands of people at greater risk than COVID ever could because the facility is not open. And so that has been a debate for many months now, because the weird thing about this vaccine mandate is, although it made sense at the time, now to be fully vaccinated and considered fully vaccinated by the province, you only need the first two doses. Most of us have moved on to dose four and five. Uh, And so the fully vaccinated definition is like a year, two years out of of date. What is even the use of at this point? And so those questions were all batted around um, by different politicians in one of the more, they had to cut off speakers at a certain point because there's so many people who wanted to speak about the impact on their community. Right. And so then how did the vote go? Yeah, it passed. So like the vote is that they're not calling on government to, I guess, the double negative. They are not calling on government to lift the mandatory vaccine. I was surprised by the result. Yeah, I think, you know, it depends on kind of where you live, right? In, In Metro Vancouver and in Greater Victoria, you go to another facility if it's closed. But in rural BC, you have no choice 
and it's a much more acute issue. We don't really know um, how many people are still sitting on the sidelines. There was more than 2,000 nurses uh, and healthcare professionals probably fired for refusing to get vaccinated-ish, but there's only 650 uh, nurses union grievances still ongoing. So no one's really quite sure how many nurses, for example, would come back if we had, uh, if we lifted this mandate. You know, Adrian Dix, when he's asked about this, says he doesn't see a problem because BC is hiring more nurses than Alberta is, and therefore the vaccine mandate must not be a problem for recruitment. And he doesn't see it changing. But it's actually Dr. Bonnie Henry's call, uh, and uh, we're there's a, a briefing next week, I believe, on kind of flu season and vaccines and masks in healthcare settings, which we're expecting we're probably going to have to go back to mandatory masks in healthcare settings. Um, and that, that question is going to come up about A, does this vaccine mandate still make sense? And B, if you're going to keep it, should you require people to be up to date on their vaccines? And boy, that's going to be difficult because not all of us are up to date on our vaccines. And um, that's a quite a, that's a big ask for healthcare uh, professionals. And you would see even more people probably fall out uh, as well. So so it's a very fascinating topic that is kind of building to a head with flu season um, and next week. It certainly is. It's interesting that some people were saying, well, it's not our area, but they vote on a lot of stuff that isn't necessarily their area, right? <laughs> yeah, well, that's the the great, um, you know, that's being in local government is sometimes you veer um, way out of your lane because you see the impact of it in your community. And it is not a decision of local government, nor should it be, but UBCM is partly about showing the province through these motions and through these debates um, in a larger voice where they stand. And so if the government takes anything away from that vote, it should be that there are a lot of people in this province who want um, that mandate lifted to better the crumbling healthcare system. And while they may have supported it at the time, and they may still even support it, the benefit of, of lifting it outweighs the harm in their minds of, of keeping it. So that's something government should keep an eye on because um, I think when they launch their vaccine booster campaign next week and their flu season campaign, they know, and you and I know, that every time there's a, another vaccine for COVID that comes out, there's fewer people getting it. And it's a diminishing returns thing now. It's turning into sort of the flu vaccine. And Adrian Dixon tends to argue publicly that people should get their COVID vaccine, but it's it's just fewer people are. And does it make sense to require healthcare workers to do something that, that fewer and fewer people are actually doing? I, I, I don't know. You, you can argue all sides of it, but uh, but for now... Until next week, anyways, it's uh, it's not changing. Okay, so now that we move on from the UBCM after Premier Eby's speech today, when does the fall session of the legislature get underway? Yeah, it's in a not next week, but the week after that, and it will be a, kind of an interesting one. Fall sessions sometimes aren't very busy, but this one has got a ton of stuff on the docket. There's emergency management legislation. There's um, the the uh, sort of kind of I think police legislation. There's housing legislation on the missing middle and the housing affordability and short-term rentals and regulating that and all sorts of stuff. So uh, one more week of kind of um, the building being empty and then boom, it'll be a very busy fall for the NDP government. All right. You've got a lot to look forward to, Rob. Thank you. 
Thanks for having me on, Simi. It was fun. Anytime. Anytime. You know that. It was fun. <laughs> You're not so bad, right? You're good. Uh, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, solid five out of ten. Right? Not, not, not too shabby. It wasn't so hard getting up this early in the morning, was it? No, it's great. It's a get an early start to the day. I'm off and well, ready Vaughn, to go. Well, Vaughn thought you did a great job, by the way. Okay, that's great. Because he was still uh, listening. Vaughn is, he's this, <laughs> even on holidays, out even of the on, country. Yes. He was, he was yes. on the internet listening. He was, because I was still getting emails from him talking about what the things that you were saying. So he was still listening. He listens everywhere. He's omnipresent. That's our Rob Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that, Rob. Take care, Zinni.